Earlier this year, Floyd Little was inducted into the National Football Hall of Fame. None of this would have been possible without one of his lead blockers, Laren Jackson, number 68. We have a quick highlight of him we'd love to show you. an exclusive interview with our on-the-field reporter, Matt Manning. Matt? All right, well, thank you, Reagan. Today, our special guest is Laren Jackson. Can you give him a warm welcome? Not only uh, was Laren Jackson uh, the lead guard for Floyd Little for the Broncos in the early 70s, but he also played for the Falcons, the Lions, and the Packers as part of his career. Uh, after retiring from football, uh, he was elected into the Missouri Hall of Fame as a college football player and then had a career in medical as well as in uh, the church for the last 40 years serving uh, the church. Uh, about a decade ago, Laren and I met through the American Baptist churches and he's become a great friend of mine, a mentor to me uh, in my life. And this is like the coolest thing ever about Laren is that this uh, last year in 2020, he retired from the ABC at 71 years old old so he could start a brand new ministry uh, in Denver to inner city youth using his football skills. And so God has still got cool stuff uh, for him. And so I'm super pumped uh, for him to come and to speak to uh, us today and to open God's word as we continue our series on finding purpose in this MVP uh, series. And so uh, I've asked him to kind of lead with the story of uh, blocking for Floyd Little because he's actually on Floyd Little's Hall of Fame picture. So like this is like a really cool thing. So he's got a cool story about that. But before I turn it over to Laren, I just want to uh, help warm you up a little bit, all right? So Laren, uh, his faith tradition, if you've ever been into an African-American American church is a little bit more vocal than we typically are here during the sermon, all right? And so, yeah, yeah, you can go ahead and share, yeah. And so, if you've ever been in a, in a situation or a, a worship service where Laren's in the house when I'm preaching, uh, you'll hear him from time to time give some encouragement, and it sounds like... Amen. Amen, yep, and you got... And, and the you got to do the well. That's my well, favorite. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, well. Well, yeah. So, so here's what I want to do today is, is I want to encourage you to be a little vocal. So we're going to practice, all right? So, so on the count of three, I want to give you, I want you to give me my best, like, deep wheel. All right, ready? One, two, three. All right, good, good. Now, amen. All right, one, two, three. All right, and then a yes. All right, one, two, three. All right, they're warmed up. Laren, it's yours. <laughs> Thank you for having me today. I'm excited about being here and being, being your preacher for this Sunday. I'm, as Pastor Matt said, he and I have been fast friends in Christ for some time. And um, I really love him as a brother beloved in Christ. Uh, Pastor Matt wanted me to tell you about the Hall of Fame picture that um, the Broncos released uh, when Floyd Little was going into the Hall of Fame. I trust most, if not all of you know, Floyd passed away about a month ago. Uh, great brother, solid brother. Um, and 
I was just delighted out of all the people who had blocked for Floyd over the years, and even when I was playing with other offensive linemen, uh, they selected that one pitcher where I'm leading Floyd around. Now, that wasn't just the first time we ran that play, right? That was what we did. Um, to give you some insight into this, at 280, I could run a 48540. And Floyd had been in the league uh, 67, 68, 69, 70, 71. Floyd was in his fifth year in the league as a running back when Denver traded and actually got me from the then Houston Oilers, who are now the Tennessee Titans. Um, and the purpose of Broncos trading for me was for my size and my speed. I played for Lou Saban in the Senior Bowl. For those of you who know anything about football, that's the game that the pro scouts uh, pick the ball players. And um, everybody was amazed at how fast I was. Well, I knew how fast I was, so it wasn't a surprise to me. But, uh, <laughs> but Lou Saban wanted me to, because he wanted my speed to get out in front of Floyd. Um, long story short, uh, I can't even tell you what game that picture was in, except uh, we were playing, I believe, the uh, then Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and they, the footage just shows Charlie Johnson handing the ball to Floyd and shows me in motion going. Well, the live footage of that actually shows the entire play. And they ran the entire play on the night that the Floyd was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I saw the picture again, and I said, oh, wow. We literally just blew the guy up, right? We just ran right over him. And it's like, oh. Well, that was before I met the Lord. So I don't go around running over people anymore. Uh, you know, and um, I am excited and delighted about coming to you on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, there are not but two teams left, as you well know. You got to pick one of them if you're going to pick a team. And uh, so more than anything else, I'm hoping that the game's a good game. And... Uh, I do, I do have a favorite team, but I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to bias you in terms of you're looking at the game. But uh, As we also in the African-American tradition, we don't normally preach with our cap on. Uh, I know sometimes Pastor Matt preaches with his cap on, but um, I'm going to take mine off uh, as we prepare to... Uh, received the scripture. Let's pray. Great and gracious God, our Father, again, we bow down before you. We ask you to continue to speak and breathe into our lives that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will indwell us. You will help us to grow up as unto Christ. You will help us live into your word. 
that we might bring glory to your name and fruit to your kingdom. Now, as your manservant, as I stand in this hour, speak afresh unto me that I will speak to your people and we will rejoice in our time together as we hear from heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Amen. I would ask you to join with me in Paul's letter to the Church of Rome in the 12th chapter. And I'm going to read for your hearing verses 3 through 8. Hear now the word of God. And I'm reading from the NIV, New International Version of the Bible. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man has a gift is prophesied, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's in serving, let him serve. If it's in teaching, let him teach. If it's an encouragement, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is ensuring mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Paul is writing this letter to the church at Rome. Though Paul fathered and planted numerous churches for Jesus Christ, Paul did not found the church at Rome. It is believed that there were Roman Jews who were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they believed all that Peter proclaimed regarding Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of the world. And when they returned to Rome by the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, those devout believers founded the church at Rome. Paul's reason for writing the church at Rome was to make sure 
that they were founded on sound doctrine as they lived into their faith in Jesus Christ and to help those in the church at Rome to understand who they were being, who they were called to be as they lived into their faith in Jesus Christ, as the visible body of God in the world. In the first 11 chapters of Paul's letter to the church of Rome, Paul goes through, go, goes through great detail in explaining the biblical and the theological foundation for the Christian church to those who are in the church at Rome. In these 11 chapters, Paul addresses such matters as our faith in Jesus Christ, our redeeming faith in Jesus Christ, and what Christ did for us on the cross at Calvary in terms of justifying our sins, being the peace offering of God for our sins, that we might have access to the throne of grace. He talked about uh, this freedom, being free from the power and the penalty of sin. He talked about being free from the law. He also talked about what it meant to be free in Christ. And he talked about the fact that God and God alone had written the sovereign plan of redemption for humankind. And God had made the way for Jews and Gentiles to be one in Christ. As Paul arrives at chapter 12 in his letter to the church at Rome, he transitions from the theological foundation of what it means to know and to believe the word of God. He's now bringing them into that place where he wants to talk about being the church of Jesus Christ. You see, you and I aren't merely coming to church to just hear us, to, uh, to gather with your friends. No, you are to be the church of Christ, not just in this building. Anywhere you go, you are the church. You ought to carry the word. You ought to live into it. You ought to be an example. So when Paul comes to that 12th chapter, he points that out to the church of Rome. I, I, I know I did not found you, but I have to help you understand what it means to walk and live as unto Christ. Be not conformed the stuff that human beings do that's inconsistent with the word of Jesus Christ. But be ye transformed by the indwelling of Christ's spirit, by knowing the word, by living the word. And yes, <laughs> to put yourself on the altar of God daily as a living sacrifice. Trusting God to guide you, to keep you, and to sustain you. We are called to be the visible body of Jesus Christ, both in the body and beyond.
And so, as Paul comes into verse 3, the conversation changes. The first two verses were to remind us of who we are in Christ, what we ought to be. Now Paul moves into talking about the spiritual gifts of the church and how you and I ought to live into Christ and how we ought to use our spiritual gifts for the cause of Christ. And so I would ask that you pray for me and with me as I attempt to make clear the sermon topic, using our gifts for God's glory. Using our gifts for God's glory. Paul began this conversation talking about spiritual gifts. He is uttering some of the things that God told James to write regarding this matter of spiritual gifts. The church, Paul writes the church in Rome, and he's trying to help them understand what spiritual gifts are intended to be and how they are to be used in the advancement of the cause and kingdom of Jesus Christ. Paul reflects on the, the, the matter that was in the church at Corinth about spiritual gifts and, and all of the drama, all of the infighting and all of the stuff that went on in the church at Corinth because they were concerned about who had the better gift, who was greater than the other. And, and Paul intervened and to help them to understand that all of the gifts of God are to be used for the furtherance of his kingdom. It is not that this one is better than the other. It means that the gifts of God are used in different ways, but all for the furtherance of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so he begins this conversation with them and recognizing that all of our spiritual gift has one origin, and that's God. James writes this regarding the matter of spiritual gifts. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters, regarding spiritual gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from God the Father. Who, who is the heavenly light, who does not minimize, does not make one gift greater so you can say that I have the greater gift. He, God, chose to give us gifts that you and I might dare to live into the faith and bear fruit as unto Christ. 
when Paul says to those in the church at Rome, don't think too highly of yourself regarding your spiritual gift, but recognize that whatever your spiritual gift may be, the sovereign source of the gift is from God. And if it is from God, it is to be used in the building up of the body and advancing the cause and kingdom of Jesus Christ into the world. Your, your responsibility, my responsibility. Yes, it is to come to Christ, to know Christ as Lord and Savior, but that is not the end of the journey. You and I are to be Christ and to live into the faith and to draw others unto Christ. And that's what Paul was reminding him of. He is reminding them that whatever gift God has given you, it is for the purpose of building up the body and advancing the cause and kingdom of Jesus Christ. When Paul talks about this matter of grace, there are spiritual gifts of God's grace, which means that you and I cannot impress God with who we are. We, we don't have that capacity. It is God unto God's self who determines what spiritual gifts he will give us that we might use them for the furtherance of his kingdom here on earth. I don't know about you, but this statement alone always just makes me just shake my head. How does God know all of this stuff? It, it, he knows out of his own sovereignty. He knows the depths of all of us. He has took inventory of our lives that he might give you gifts. He might give me gifts that could be used for the furtherance of his kingdom. I don't know about you, but that overwhelms me. I cannot phantom the billions upon billions of folks on this planet. And God has the spiritual gifts for each of us. And you will never get mine and I will never get yours. It's who God is. God knows who we are individually, and God gives us spiritual gifts so we can use them according with God's sovereign purpose and will for our lives and for advancing the cause of Christ. Paul said God gives believers spiritual gifts for advancing the cause and kingdom of Jesus Christ. The God is the sovereign source of our spiritual gifts. Then, and when we come to Romans 12, 4 and 5, Paul says, when God is guiding the body, 
There's divine harmony in the house and in the hearts of all who have given their life to Jesus Christ. Oh, I want you to hear that. Paul says that when God is guiding our hearts and we seek to live for Christ, there's harmony in the use of our gifts. They are working together, not so they can be singled out in terms of competitive language, but they are to be united that we would go forward in Christ. Paul defines what the divine harmony in the house looks like when you and I seek to live for Christ. Paul says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we also are many form one body, and each member belongs, each member belongs, each member works together with each member has communion with the others who have gifts in the body so that we can advance the cause and kingdom of Jesus Christ. Paul says the same thing when he spoke to the church at Rome. He says, we got one body. What y'all fighting over? What you're fighting over doesn't mean anything. It's minimized. You want more? You want somebody to recognize your gift more than somebody else? He said, I got more gifts than all of y'all. I love it when Paul just gets down on, gets earthly, as I call it. You know, there, there, there's times when we want to speak in, in holy language. But sometimes you need to just break it down where folks can understand you. Paul said, when you get through with all of that, you really don't have anything. You see, if you're concerned about your gift being greater than mine or mine being greater than yours, you're already falling into the snares of the enemy. Paul is reminding the church at Rome that every part of the body is vital to the other in advancing the cause and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. If we only have one gift, we are called to use it. That those in the body will grow up. We call that discipleship. And once we grow up in discipleship, we go out to reach folks in the world where they are. That they too might know Christ. And they might too might come into the body. They too might be taught and grow up and become disciples. It is a it is a redemptive reciprocity of how you and I are to work in Christ. Our spiritual gifts are not about competition in the body, but instead it's about using our gifts to strengthen the body to the glory of God. You see, if you have the gift of administration, then allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in how you use it. If you have the gift of evangelism, and I know you may be a great speaker, but let 
the Holy Spirit speak to you and through you on how to use your gift. You may be a fantastic leader, but are you anointed of the Almighty for the work of the kingdom? You see, that's who we are. That's where we are. We are called to this work. We are given gifts that God has determined. God looks inside of us. Don't miss this, even before you were born. God knew the gifts he would give you in your living, in my living. I will tell you more about my living later, but it's this business of you and I. Paul says each believer has at least one gift of grace, and we are to use it for God's glory. When there's harmony in the house and in our hearts, as we use our gift for God's glory, God allows us to experience his peace, his power, his presence, and we are laboring for his purpose. The secret to finding harmony in the house, the church, and your heart as a believer in Jesus Christ is to let the Holy Spirit guide you and guide me as we use our gifts of grace, both in the body and beyond the body. When Paul arrives at verse 6, Paul says, God's gives gifts to believers. And he does it with sovereign particularity. As I mentioned moments ago, somehow, I cannot even begin to phantom it. Somehow, I, I, it, it just, my mind can't grasp it. Somehow, God knows the gift that God wants to give you. So you and I can use it for the furtherance of his kingdom. God has mapped out the divine DNA of every soul on the planet. Woo! Have mercy. And he knows that if you come to Christ, he has planted the gift in you that it will be used for the furtherance of his kingdom. God gives the gifts of grace for what God has created and ordained to be what God wants it to be and to do in advancing the cause and kingdom of Jesus Christ. Where? Throughout the world. As we grow up in Jesus Christ, God begins to show us the gifts of grace that God have given us, has placed in us, that when we come to Christ, that you and I will be ready to serve. You, know, you didn't know it was there. 
You didn't even know you could do that. The Holy Ghost illuminated it in you. And now you know. Now you know you're called to do it. Yes, you've got your favorite things you like to do in the church, and that's okay. But God said there are particular gifts that God gives. <laughs> when I grew up, I grew up in the inner city of St. Louis. And during my early years, I had no idea <laughs> of ever being a minister. That was not on my agenda. At one point in my youth, there were folks in authority in St. Louis that thought I needed 24-hour supervision for an extended period of time. Uh, they said your behavior has caused us serious concern. And we need to make sure that you have accommodations that will make society safe. I had no intention of ever standing behind this desk or pulpit proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. That was not on my agenda. My mother forced us to go to church until we were 12 years old. My mother believed that once you got 12, past 12, that your sins were on you. Up to 12, she was responsible. <laughs> when we got past 12, she said, go and do what you want. <laughs> you know, the weight's not on me anymore. But in this process, I learned some things about myself. I learned that I had leadership abilities, and I didn't learn those in church. And I won't tell you where I learned. Uh, I, I was a high school All-American, and back when I was growing up, the nation was still segregated. And so, Black kids in St. Louis went to black schools, and white kids in St. Louis went to white schools. But I would learn that I had some abilities at football, and I would be named as a high school All-American. Back then, I could go to any school in the nation except those who, that were South. And I had over 200 scholarship offers, so that was not a concern. I would be a leader on my high school football team. When I got to the University of Missouri, it's where I went to college to play football, I would be elected by the people on my floor to be in student government. I was a part of the leadership board for the African-American students at the University of Missouri. I was one of the leaders on the Missouri football team. In the midst of all of that, I would come, would turn again to Christ. 
And I joined the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I began to get more serious about my walk with Christ. And when I entered the NFL, within my second year, the Broncos players had elected me to be one of the youngest player reps in the history of the NFL. I knew I had leadership abilities. As I was, I'm one of the people who signed, uh, sued the NFL for what you now know as free agency. Uh, it would eventually get me a trip to another team uh, because I was recognized as a rebel rouser and perhaps that's true. I didn't take much and I spoke the truth unhindered. Uh, I would get traded and long story short, my career would end with the Detroit Lions in 1978. 1977, I rededicated my life to the Lord. I went back to church. I was serious about my walk with God. When I went to the Detroit Lions in 1978, I was committed to growing up in Christ. And strange things happened that just don't happen in training camp. Just so you'll get a flavor of what training camp's about, training camp's about you getting a job. And so if you're gonna stay, somebody else has to go. You don't have time to make friends. You don't have time to be caring about the person you hit and knock down. You don't have time to, the coaches don't have time to like you. You don't have time to like them. It's about product production. Well, when I got to the Detroit Lions, there was something without my doing anything that the Lord starts sending people, ball players, by my room to talk about the Lord. And I'm saying, don't you guys know we're in training camp? If, you, if you're praying, you need to be praying about making a team. But they came. They didn't go away. They kept coming back. And my room became the chapel on campus. Folks started showing up. When they got cut, they'd come by and they knock on the door. they say, Jack, that's what they call me. I just got cut. I stopped by for prayer. And so I said, well, come on in. Let's talk to the Lord together. And we'd have prayer. They just lost his job. And he said, man, I love you. And it's going to be all right. I said, I know it's going to be all right. Well, one Wednesday afternoon, one evening, we're now in the dining hall. And those who were in the Bible study group were all around me. And we did not care that we were in the dining room. In fact, we did not even think about it. We just kept talking about the word of God and, 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 and talking about what God can and will do. And next thing I knew, there was a hush over the dining hall. 
Nobody was talking. Nobody was eating. They were all looking at my table. And then I stopped teaching because I knew something had changed. Everybody was looking. And I realized that God was calling me into the work of the ministry. I, I called some people who were close to me and they told me, we've been waiting on you to get there for a long time. I said, well, God's got it now. Long story short, I would get cut from the Detroit Lions. At the top part of my game, I was 280 and I could run a 4.85 40-yard dash. So it's like getting hit by a small automobile. But by the time I got to Detroit, I was running a 5T. I had lost some speed. I could still block. I could still pass block with the best of them. But I had lost that foot speed. And so the coach was Monty Clark. Coach Clark called me to his office. And he said, Jackson, I said, Coach, let me finish the conversation for you. You need to cut me. He says, yes. I said, well, I wish you well, Coach. And uh, I turned to get ready to walk out of the office. And he said, stop, Jackson. Stop. I ain't even on your team no more. What's up? You just cut me. You said, oh, now how you want, well, what is it you want now, Coach? He said, there's something in you. He said, I see it. Tell me, how can I cut you? And you wish me well. And you tell me everything's going to be all right. I said, because I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And it's going to be all right. I said, it's going to be all right for me. And it's going to be all right for you. He said, now I see. Perhaps it was a song. I once was blind, but now I see. And so Coach Clark and I would meet sometimes later, and I would find out that he retold that story over and over again about when he cut me. You see, when you use your gifts to God's glory, God, God, God gets the honor. We were not in a church. We were in an office. We were not in a sanitized place. We were in his office. But God was in the office. God created the opportunity for me to speak into Monty Clark's life. As Paul writes to the church at Rome, I can see Paul reflecting when he was on the Damascus Road, when he went from Saul to Paul, when God illuminated his gifts of grace. He became an apostle. 
He had the gifts of administration. He was an evangelism. He was a teacher. He spoke in tongues. He was a leader. He had the ability to plant churches. And he, you, and God used Paul to advance the cause and the kingdom of Jesus Christ throughout the world. God gives us gifts of grace with sovereign particularity that we might use our gifts of grace in advancing the cause and kingdom of Jesus Christ, both in the body and beyond the body, but all for the furtherance of God's kingdom. As a part of the body of Jesus Christ, we are called by Jesus Christ to constantly be engaged in redemptive reciprocity. What does that mean? That means that we reach out to the lost where we used to be. We come into the church and God begins to surround us with people with gifts who will grow us up in Christ Jesus. And, and in that process of growing up in Christ Jesus, God is preparing us to go back out and get others who are out there and to tell them our story, to tell them about Jesus Christ so that they might come back into the church, that they might grow up in Christ, that they might go back out and get the lost. We are mandated by Jesus Christ to go into the world to seek and to save the lost and to invite those outside the church into the body that we might help them to grow up in Christ and to discover their gifts of grace to be used in the body and beyond the body, all for the advancement of the cause and kingdom of Jesus Christ. That is the mandate of God's word. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, 19, 18 to 20, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel that folks might come into the church, that you might grow them up, that they might be disciples. That's the conversation that Jesus, Jesus had with Peter in John 21. John, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? If so, feed my lamb. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you keep asking. He said, show me by you growing up and feeding my lambs. We are here today because somebody had spiritual gifts and they used them to God's glory. Somebody had the gift of evangelism and we heard the word of God. Somebody had the gift of exaltation and they used their gift to God's glory. Somebody had the gift of leadership and they used it to God's glory and we came in. Somebody had the gift of pastoring and teaching and they used them to God's glory that we too might come to God. You and I are called to do the same. When we came into the body of Jesus Christ, God gave us gifts to use to his, his glory. 
He, some he made teachers. Some he made preachers. Some he made to declare the word of God. Some he gave knowledge. Some he gave leadership. On and on and on. But the whole purpose was to use our gifts for God's glory. The purpose with which God has given us spiritual gifts is that God might use us to build up the body of Jesus Christ, to reach those outside of the body, that they might come into the body, and that they might grow up is unto the Lord. Using our gifts for God's glory is the purpose for which God gave us the gift or gifts to build up the body, the church of Jesus Christ, to reach out in the love of God, to reach those who are lost, to invite them into the body, that they too might grow up in the body to become disciples. And they would go beyond the body in advancing the cause and kingdom of Jesus Christ throughout the world. You see, that is the purpose of God's gifts, that we would use them both in the body and beyond the body, but all for the purpose of advancing the cause and kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that will be our purpose until Christ cracks the sky. That's our work until God calls us home.